extend Christian greetings to each one. God bless all of you. Come out again to worship, worship the Lord together. What a beautiful way to start out the week. First day of the week. It has been truly said, a religion which does not make a mankind is not the Lord's religion. A religion that does not make a mankind is not the Lord's religion. Do you believe that? Colossians 3.12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God. Put on therefore. That's kind of like putting on a coat. That, that idea, put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I'd like to live around a bunch of people like that, wouldn't you? That is so beautiful. But the reality is, it's a pretty rare commodity. The reality is, it's a pretty rare commodity. You know, there's people today that probably never experienced something like that. All they know is hatred, killing, arguing, stealing, Fighting, that's all they know. And the sad thing is, they're convinced it's normal. This is life. This is normal life. Now, I trust, and I would believe that all of us here can look at a verse like that. We know what it means. We have experienced it. But probably most of the world wouldn't think this is normal. When we should, at least, think it's normal. Those that are in Christ, those who have been born again, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, those that are walking in the Spirit, those that are not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, flesh, they should be the most peaceful, loving, kind, and compassionate people on the face of the earth. Kind people, caring people, should be the norm. But again, as I said, this is not the case for many. And so, if you're here today, and a verse like Colossians 3.12 and 13, if that makes sense to you, if that you say, that's a part of my experience, and you say, that is normal for me, you're probably a minority. Because I think the majority today would say that fighting and yelling and screaming and hatred and unforgiveness is just, it's, that's normal. That's a part of their life. That's normal behavior. And so I ask the question, what's normal? What is normal? And so my title today is that question, what is normal? You know what is really kind of scary is how far a person can go 
and not having God or not being born again, how far they can go and they actually think it's normal. They actually are convinced it's normal. I'd like you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And as we read a couple of verses here, I hope all of you have strong stomachs. It's amazing how far a person can actually go and consider it normal. Today we're going to talk about what is normal. Deuteronomy chapter 28, this chapter, begins with the consequences or the blessings, rather, of obedience And in verse 15, it goes on with the consequences of disobedience. But we're not going to read all of that. This was basically given to the children of Israel here as they were ready to enter the promised land. And God said, if you're going to obey me, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to do my will, you're going to have a blessing. And all kinds of things are going to come after you and catch up to you. But if you're going to disobey me, the consequences are astounding. And he goes on and mentions a lot of different things. But I'm just going to break in here in verse 52. It's talking about where uh, uh, if you're going to turn against me, I'm going to bring in a nation and they're going to besiege your city. And when, it, when you think of a city being besieged, that's where they, the army has surrounded the city. There is no going in. There's no coming out. You are under their control. Verse 52, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates until thy high and fence walls come down, wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land. And he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath given thee. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which in the Lord thy God which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege and in the straightness, wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee. Okay, the city's besieged. And here we have a woman giving birth to a child during the straightness, during the siege. So that man, so that the man that is tender among you and very delicate. You have somebody here who's very sensitive and very refined. Very sensitive, very refined, his eye shall be evil toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the remnant of his children, which he shall leave. So that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children whom he shall eat, because he hath nothing left him in the siege, in the straightness wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in all thy gates. The tender, that is the sensitive and delicate, refined woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground for delicateness and tenderness. Got the picture? Her eye shall be evil toward the, toward the husband of her bosom, toward her son, toward her daughter, and toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet, and toward her children, which she shall bear, for she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege and straightness, wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in the book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful 
and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues, and of a long continuance, and sore sickness of long continuance. That's just, that is just totally amazing. Here they were given the consequences of disobedience. This is where you're going to end up at. And a little bit later, we're going to find out that they can actually convince themselves that it's actually normal. And as I was considering this, you know, you see people who choose to walk away from God. They just, they just throw it all away and walk away from God and they start living in such a desperate situation. And we're all standing back there looking at it and saying, what are they thinking? But you know, I believe it's the consequences of disobedience and, and it just becomes normal. This is normal life. It's horrible. So here we have a man who's very sensitive and very refined. You know, it's the kind of person who keeps himself all dressed up, neat. He's clean. No dirt under his fingernails. He's clean. But look what he'd end up doing. Or a woman. 56. If you have a middle column of your Bible, it actually says she's going to eat her placenta. Can you imagine Well, you would say, did this ever happen? Did something like this ever happen? Turn over with me to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 6. And as we read just a few verses here, 24 to 30, you watch with me how it just seems like they've accepted as normal. This is just the way it is. 2 Kings 6, 24, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadak, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help me! Help my Lord, O King. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor? Out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, The woman said unto me, Give thy... She answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So, we bowl my son, did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hit her son came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And I imagine the people will, why did the king ever put sackcloth on? I mean when he saw this situation where there was these two women made a pact with each other. We're going to boil my son today and eat him. Tomorrow we'll boil your son to eat him. And she just said it as if this was just normal. This is what you got to do. This is life. This is the situation I find myself. And this is just simply normal life. And my question is, what is normal? This ain't the only time it happened. I mean, God very directly said, if you're going to disobey me, this is what's going to happen. And it happened. That's not the only time it happened. It happened in A.D. 70 also. They surrounded Jerusalem. They held that thing. They besieged that thing. They held it until they, it became very desperate. And there's a story that's recorded by Josephus. 
And uh, again, we're going to look at how it seemed like it was just kind of normal. I don't know how much stock you put into Josephus, but he was a historian that, from what I understand, you know, most of his things make sense. And he writes, and this is the story he writes up. There was a woman whose name was Mary that lived beyond Jordan. She was illustrious for her descent and riches. She fled with the multitude to Jerusalem when it was being, when you know, when the army was coming. And she carried with her her substance and what food she could get that were left to her by the spoilers were being pressed with famine. She took her sucking child, killed it, boiled it, and ate half of it, and then laid up the rest and covered it. And when the seditious party, that's the the people that came in to ransack it, when they came in, they entered the house, they smelled it, and demanded her food, threatening to kill her if she did not deliver it. Which, when she brought forth, declaring what she had done, They were struck with horror to whom she said, this is my son and this is my own deed. Eat, for I have eaten. Be not more tender or softer than a woman and more sympathizing or more pitiful than a mother. All the ideas that this prophecy of Moses conveys are to be met with in this account. As of a woman, well-bred and delicate, reduced to the utmost distress and wanting all the necessaries of life, killing her tender infant, a sucking babe, eating it secretly, laying up the rest, covered for another time. If Moses had lived to know the fact, committed, as Josephus did, he could not have expressed it well in stronger and clearer terms than he has done. This is the most amazing instance of prophecy that was delivered about 2,000 years before and actually was um, done, in fact, in exact accomplishment. I think what happened here wasn't the outside army, but within Jerusalem, when it was being, when it was besieged, they were fighting. They were arguing right up to the very last minute. And they were stealing from each other, those kind of things. It was horrible, the things that were going on in there. And it was just normal life. We're besieged and and life was going on. And so somebody else was hungry. And she said, go ahead and eat, for I have eaten. You can't be any softer than I am. You can't be more tender than I am. And besides, it was my own child, so why wouldn't you want to eat? It's horrible. Some time ago, there was a teacher in a public school who decided to do something special for her children. And so she said, hey, we're going to have show and tell. And so they picked a date when they would have show and tell. And so all these children come that morning with all their different things for show and tell. And so they displayed their things. They talked about them. Very last came this little girl. In her hand, she carried a shell of a bullet. And she went into very descriptive terms how her mother and her mother's boyfriend were fighting. And she gave example of the screaming and the hollering and the words they said. And she showed him the bullet that her mother used to kill her boyfriend. Teacher was horrified. And she had quite a time of it 
with the dramatic story to try to, you know, calm the children out. But she said that wasn't the worst situation. The worst situation was this little child took it as this is just normal. This is just the way we do life. And so the biggest problem wasn't trying to calm the children, but to try to convince this child, this is not normal life. It might be normal to you, but this is not normal life. Satan is deceiving this world into believing that violence and hatred and killing, it's normal. It's normal. It is not normal. Not, we may think it for a minute, this is not normal. In eternity past and in eternity future, there has and will be no killing, hating, or stealing. None of that. There won't be. But somehow, we're in this span of time called time, and it's only so big. To us, it's almost like an eternity. And we kind of get, you know, you listen, you hear a little bit of the news, and you hear time after time. After a while, we become kind of calloused. And almost it's like killing is normal. Stealing is normal. Family breakups are normal. Divorces are normal. Don't think it for a minute. It is not normal. In God's mind, those kind of things aren't normal. They're not a part of Him. They never happen and never will be. It's just a part of this little life here. Can you imagine there in the garden? It was all created so perfectly. No animal ate another animal. Today we call it normal. Animal kills animal. That's normal. That's just part of life. You know, it isn't normal. In God's economy, that is not normal. That was never supposed to be. He knew it would happen. That was never supposed to be. It's just in this little era of time, this short time, that one animal eats another animal. Yet we think it's normal. There's no death, no death at all in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. And yet death is so normal to us. We were born and we die. Born and we die. I mean, how many times, how many people die every second? I forget. It's tremendous. You know, this world, the Bible says this world is groaning because of this corruption. The world itself is groaning because of the corruption. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This is so abnormal that the very world we live in is groaning over the corruption. Romans chapter 8, verse 20, it says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. See what... Uh, God is calling in here the corruption, the bondage of corruption. We're going to be one day gloriously liberated from this. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. So we have the creation. 
God's creation is growing. This is not normal. Animal eating animal. Wars and terror and famine and earthquakes and mudslides and you name it. It's not normal. All of the world, all of the world is groaning. Not the people, the world. I don't know how that works. But the world itself is groaning and travailing for the time it will be liberated from this corruption. The whole world is groaning to be delivered. But that's not the only thing that should be groaning. Those of us who are born again should also be groaning. It it should make us groan when we look at, well, let's just start with, you see earthquakes, you see mudslides, you see hurricanes, you see all those kind of things, this fallen world and, and the thing, the corruption, the bond. It just, it just goes against the nature of God has produced within us life, everlasting life. But then beyond that, as we think of all the war and fighting and killing and stealing, something in us needs to rise up. This is not normal. There should be a groan that comes from every one of us. And so when we hear it again and again, just heard it here a couple of weeks ago. The suicide bombers there in Brussels in the airport just blow themselves up and kill everybody else. Does it make us groan? Do we groan over those facts? This is not normal. And yet, in our world today, it's becoming normal. But it's not normal. Let's not think for a moment that it's normal. When we hear of the persecuted church and we hear of those that stand right up to the point of getting their heads lopped off, do we groan? It's not normal. This is not normal from God's economy. When we hear of another soul who made in the very image of God simply takes his own life committing suicide. It's not normal. Hear of another divorce knowing that there's going to be children that will be scarred for life because of the choice of selfishness from some man and woman. When we hear of another law that is taking away the freedom from us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, kingdom Christians, are we groaning? It is not normal. Though we see it all around, it's not normal. Let's never get used to it. The devil is out to make us calloused and to keep us from groaning. And to just say, well, this is just life. One once said, sin has ruined men, ruined women, ruined angels. Sin has occasioned every tear of sorrow, every sigh of grief, every pang of agony. Sin has withered everything that is fair, blasted everything that is good, made bitter everything that is sweet, dried up springs of comfort. Rolled far away tides of sorrow. Sin has digged every grave, built every coffin, woven every shroud, enlarged every cemetery that the world has ever seen. And yet, my friend, it's not normal. It is not in God's economy. It's not normal. And let's be careful that we don't simply accept it as normal. We have people today who play those Terrible, violent video games. You know, there's an enemy behind that whole thing. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
And he wants people to come to a place to accept the fact that killing is normal. It's just a part of life. And so you see this fellow go on a, or a woman go on a killing spree and you say, what are they thinking? To us, it makes us groan. To them, it's normal because they were living in it all the time. Satan is out to callous mankind. Before the time of the internet, in the time of the TV, by the time the child turned 16, they have seen, the average child has seen 200,000 acts of violence. 200,000 acts of violence. 50,000 of those were murders. Just on TV. Satan is out to callous and to bring anyone he can to a place, say, killing's normal. It's normal. Listen to the words of Jesus. He also groaned. He knew better than anyone else the future of the people that were following him to the cross. And so he turns around and says to them, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bear, the paps that never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Jesus groaned. Don't, don't pity me. Don't feel sorry for me. If you knew what's coming. If you knew what's coming. I could just hear the sadness coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle also groaned. Turn over to, with me to Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading 1 to 4. We here see here the apostle groaning to be delivered. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 4. For we know that if our earthly house, that's our bodies, of this tabernacle were dissolved... We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. For in this we groan. And groan here means an inward, unexpressed feeling of sorrow. It's nothing even that you can express. It's such a deep sorrow that your heart is just crying out without words. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality. Would be swallowed up of life. Mortality, death, killing, sickness, famine. All of those things would be just swallowed up into this beautiful life. And so the apostles, he's groaning. And so today, are we groaning? Do we groan over these things? Satan is out to make us calloused. Do we groan? Well, what do we do in the meantime? We're groaning. What do we do in the meantime? I think all of us would be just happy to just be delivered from this mortality this death, this world that is 
falling apart. So what can we do? Those of us are groaning. My answer comes out of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. As long as we have life, God has a job for us. We're groaning. We'd like to be delivered. 1 Peter 2. Verse 15, very clear verse. We don't have to wonder what God's saying it here. Peter, the Apostle Peter here, tells us what the will of God is. Sometimes we ask, I wonder what the will of God is. Well, here's one place where there's no question. This is the will of God, that with well-doing, you may put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. That with well-doing, you can put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. And so in light of this whole idea that most of the world around us has accepted this life as normal. With well-doing, we can put the silence, their ignorance, with well-doing. Sin is not normal. Killing is not normal. Divorce is not normal. And you can name any sin you would like. It's not normal. Although we tend to kind of accept it as normal. We tend to do that. From God's perspective, it's only this little slot called time that there's sin. There was not any in eternity past. There will not be any eternity future. We find ourselves groaning to be delivered from this old world as if we're on a ship that is slowly sinking, sinking, sinking. Oh, to be delivered. But this world system, whom Satan is the head of, is doing everything he can to make us calloused relating to this world as normal. But it is not. So, will God be able to use me and to use you by your life of well-doing to convince that person out there, this isn't normal. This is not the way God really wants it to be. It's abnormal. Can he use me? Can he use you? Now, we're going to still have it. We're going to still have animals eating animals. We're going to still have famines. We're going to still have all of those kind of things going on. But you know, in our own life, it can be different. Death can be swallowed up in Christ Jesus. And we can have life. And this death doesn't have to reign in us anymore. Uh, Romans chapter 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So it can be different in my personal life because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I can do well-doing. And others can look on and say, You know, is that really the way it's supposed to be? That's so abnormal. You know, they look at a family where there's a father and there's a mother and there's a whole bunch of children and the children are honoring, respecting their parents and they're, they're well trained and they look at it and say, it's abnormal. I'm sorry, it's not abnormal. That's normal. What is abnormal is divorce and rebellion and all of those things. But we become, it becomes so close to us and such a part of us that after a while I say to myself, well, maybe I should just expect that some of my children are going to be rebellious. It's not normal. It's not the way it should be. So we find ourselves groaning to be delivered. 
But we have the opportunity. Those that are born again have the Holy Spirit upon them. That with well-doing, we can put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. The ignorance of foolish men. Now, does this mean that we never sin? Romans 6 says that the body of sin might be destroyed. I don't want to give you any kind of false hope. But as I can say, the propensity to sin will be broken in Christ Jesus. The propensity to sin will be broken. And you know, our attitude towards it is different. We hate it. We hate it. There's sometimes things go through my mind and I just shudder. I'm like, where did that come from? I don't want it. And I immediately start thinking about something else. Get rid of it. That's the kind of thing that needs to happen in those that are born again and believers. The very thought of sin. We don't walk in sin. But the world is out to desensitize us. I don't care how godly you are. I don't care how much you have the Holy Spirit. The world is out to desensitize every one of us. And to come to a place where we think some of this stuff's just normal. Let's talk about the desensitizing just a little bit. There's this attitude that floats around. I'm afraid sometimes we buy into it. And that is everybody else is doing it. So why shouldn't I? Everybody else is doing it. So why shouldn't I? Well, if everybody else is doing it, ask the question. Does it satisfy? Some of you might know that song. Since everybody else is doing it, does it satisfy? If everyone else is doing it, does it make it right? Our standard has to be the Word of God. Just because it's normal, from our perspective, does not necessarily mean it's normal from God's perspective. We need to take it at God's Word. This world system is out to desensitize you and me. And if we're going to have God's attitude about this old world, we are going to need to continue to groan. And the only way we're going to groan is if we stay in the word of God and see, you know what, that isn't normal. And children, you might read the Bible and you say, hmm, I know mom and dad fight. But from what I get from the word of God, that's not normal. That's not normal. I think sometimes young people growing up in a home like that, they just kind of accept that it's normal. It's not normal. And we have to stay in the Word of God so we know what is abnormal and what is normal. Are we okay with being different? Are we okay with being different? Being strangers and pilgrims. We're to abstain from fleshly lust that war in our members. If we follow Jesus, if we're filled with the Spirit, we will act different, we will live different, we will present ourselves different. Those that are ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I will be ashamed of them. And so, if we're going to really follow the Word of God, we're going to have to be willing to be abnormal in this world's eyes, which will actually be normal in God's eyes. Satan is out to desensitize us. And I am shocked, I am shocked how many Christians, godly, what I would consider godly men and women, are watching videos that have violence on them. 
I'm amazed. I'm shocked. The other day, the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Walmart, and they have these whole bins of videos sitting there. And there was this plain-dressed Mennonite girl scrounging through these things. And just passing by, you could see there can't be anything good in that bin. And she's grabbing through these things. I should have. I thought of it too late. I should have walked up to her and said, Ma'am, what are you looking for? But we have Christians listening, uh, watching videos that have violence on them. Do you know that Satan is out to desensitize you to a point to get you to think that this world's normal? And you get comfortable in it when it's very abnormal when we talk about violence. <clears throat> Another area that I was driving someone else's vehicle this week, and they had a uh, cassette tape. It was about a story. It was a, it was a good story. Um, if any of you have ever listened to Odyssey, and uh, they have it on the radio, I listened to it years ago. I don't listen to the radio anymore. Um, I don't want to get desensitized. <clears throat> but it was that kind of a story. They give a story for a lesson for the children youth and such, and this was a story, and it was a good story. But one of the things I've always noticed is, okay, whoever is, is acting this out, they always have the children acting out the story with their, their, the tone of voice. And you know that more is communicated by your tone of voice than the words. But I'm always saddened. The, the children, the teenagers, when they're talking to their parents, they're loud, they're, they're forward, they're aggressive, they're, it's just, it's that strength. And the parents are kind of given as kind of laid back. The devil is out to desensitize us. And I think by listening to those kind of stories, oh, we think they have a really good uh, moral uh, encouragement in there for our children. But the way they put the tones of voices it's, it's, it's abnormal when it comes to God's economy. And if you're one of those that are putting your children in front of those kind of stories, where the, the young people almost talk over their parents, and the parents admonish them, and they got something else to say really quick. There's something wrong with that. And then they get into, they get caught, they, get, they do something wrong, it's usually how the story goes. They get caught, and then they make it right. And, but when they get caught, you still don't hear any remorse or humility or brokenness. They're just very strong and forward with their voices. The devil's so subtle. And he wants us to think those things are normal. Where the parents are kind of laid back and the children are kind of running the show. And those are the kind of voices that are, are put there. Satan is out to desensitize us. Again, it is God's will that I, with well-doing, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Let's talk about a couple of real practical areas. In talking to numerous men, I found out that, I find out, and I'm finding out, and I have found out that anger is a big problem. And there's probably not a lot of homes where anger isn't present. And we almost become like it's normal. We almost become like it's normal. It's not normal. It's abnormal. 
anger. We may never accept it as normal. It is sin. The reason some of us cannot get over our anger is because we accept it as normal. Everybody else gets angry. It's abnormal. And husbands, if you get angry at your wife, if you get angry at your children, you've got to accept that this is abnormal. This is not God's plan. And yet, how many fathers have I told them you can't do it? Even if you get angry once a month, you're going to destroy your family. And yet I believe they think it's normal. You can't even once a month. You cannot lose your temper even once a month. It's abnormal. But our society has said it's normal. Harsh words. Condemning spirit. Silent treatment. Ladies over here, they don't lose their temper, do they? Silent treatment. I'm just not going to talk. You fill in the blank. This is not normal. It may never be accepted. It may never be acceptable behavior as a child of God. The Bible says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So I want to encourage you. Children, if you have a dad that gets angry, don't think it's normal. It's not normal. Society says it's normal, but it's not normal. How about sibling rivalry? You know, we have the opportunity to put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. All these other families, they're fighting, they're arguing, they're bickering. Not here. Not in our home, right? Sibling rivalry is not normal. Everyone else may be doing it, but we're to put to silence the foolishness of ignorant men. Our homes can be, by the power and grace of God, the kindest, sweetest place on the face of the earth. Where everyone speaks kindly, encouraging one another. And when they admonish one another, they can do it with tears in their eyes. They don't get angry. They don't shout at each other. They don't try to stay away from home as long as they can, because home isn't a very fun place to be. That whole thing's abnormal. The normal life is where mom and dad, they love each other. Where the children love their parents. And the children appreciate their parents. And the children, there's no other place they'd rather be but get home. I want to go home. I got things I want to share with my... That's normal. That's the way it ought to be in God's economy. But I'm afraid some of us have accepted that it is not normal. And we have accepted the abnormal as normal. It is called by, it is called normal by God's standard for married partners to have a good, healthy relationship at all times. Where there's no issues you can't work through, that's normal. In God's economy, that's normal, but there's probably very few marriages that are normal. So you say, well, then it must be normal to have problems in the marriage and we can't work through. Wait a minute, not in God's economy. It is possible. It is possible to have a marriage where there's no issues. We, there isn't any issues we can't talk about. We can talk about any issue. 
We may not agree on all of them, but that's okay. We can talk about them. We can respect each other. We can bring everything out on the table. But how often have couples come say, can we sit down and talk? What comes out? There's issues they cannot talk about. That's not normal in God's economy. And so we have to keep the standard where God put it. If we don't keep the standard where God put it, we're going to be living less than what God wants for us. What is normal? What do we call normal? It is possible to raise a family and the children can say, I never heard dad and mom argue. That's possible. That's normal. In God's economy, that's the way it ought to be. And so we have to set the standard where God put it. The world says divorce is the way out. That's normal. God says, no, that's not normal. That's abnormal. Even though over 50% of Christians are divorcing, let's not think for a moment. Let's not think for a moment that it's normal. So I'm here today to convince you that it is not normal. Have you in your marriage simply come to the place and said, Probably as good as it will ever get. And I'm just going to consider this to be normal. There's some who have. I met with a couple one time and she had no interest. No interest whatsoever. She had no feelings. She had no desire. She had no, no ambition whatsoever to work on the marriage. She has simply concluded that it's normal. It's not normal. There's so many other areas we could talk about. Let's talk about the one about hands-off courtship. Well, everybody else is doing it. They're touching. They're sitting against each other. And we come to a place where we consider that to be normal. Let me tell you, that's not normal. It's normal concerning this world to to uh, play on each other's feelings and, and uh, play on emotions that should never be. Until marriage, touching, kissing, and those kind of things. And yet we say, that's normal. And so, since everyone else is doing it, then we're going to do it. I'm here to tell you today, that's not normal. Not in God's economy. Even if everyone else does it. Even if your friends do it. It's not normal. We are here to convince. We are here to put to silence. We're here by well-doing by well-doing to put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I met with a young man this week, and he shared a little bit of his life story with me. And I, I felt sorry for him. He grew up in a, a home, and I think he might have been lived half of his life while his parents were not converted. They were ungodly. They were just living an ungodly life. And so the last half of his life, he was introduced to the church, godliness and holiness. But in those, what was it, ten years, nine years, he was, his family was a part of two churches that split. I said to him, that is so unfortunate. There's a possibility, my friend, there's a possibility you're going to become to a place and say, well, this is normal. 
go to church for a while and they don't get along and they argue and they fight and after a while they just go their way. And so he had two situations. And as far as he was concerned, he didn't know what a normal church looked like. He didn't know how it's supposed to function. He didn't know what it should be. That's unfortunate. And I wonder how many of us have just simply accepted it's normal. It's not normal. That's abnormal. It is normal for being a part of a congregation where everybody loves each other, cares about each other. They're willing to lay down their life. They're willing, as Apostle Paul, to say, if, if, if meat makes my brother an offend, I'm going to eat no meat the rest of my life. And you say, Apostle Paul, that's pretty strong. Meat. I'm going to give up meat. I'm not going to give up meat for my brother. But Apostle Paul was willing to do that. That's normal. I think, I think you know what it's like sitting at a brother's meeting. We all get along. We can talk about an issue. We come out. Maybe we differ a little bit, but we can respect one another in our positions. And we walk away from that and we are so, that's normal. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's normal. Let's never for a minute think the other is normal. And so I feel very, very saddened for this young man who has experienced has not been good. And in his mind, church splits are normal. What is normal is submission. Laying down my rights for the sake of my brother. That's normal. That's normal. Is it easy to do? If you really know what normal is, it's easy to do. What is normal? Unfeigned love of the brethren. No pretense. The heart is definitely out on top. No pretense at all. Unfeigned love of the brethren. This is normal. In conclusion, by calling things normal that are not normal, we set ourselves up to destroy ourselves. And so, if there's anything we get out of this sermon today, I would like you to walk through this next week and think about it. What is normal? When we consider God's economy, what is normal? We may look at our own families and we say, what is normal? What is normal? What is God's will? Let's not for a minute buy into the world and call normal what they call normal. Something within us, this unexpressed emotion should be welling up within us. This life is not normal. Animal eating animal. Famines. Hurricanes. Killing. Stealing. All of those things. It's not normal. Divorce. Remarriage. Children growing up in homes that are broken apart. They don't know who their father is. It's not normal. It's abnormal. Even though most of society does it. So let's go through our week and let's determine things normal by God's standard. And let's, by well-doing, it's the will of God. It is the will of God. How many times does God say, you want to know my will? Here's my will. It is God's will. Can't put it any more clear. It is God's will that I, by well-doing, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
You're going through the grocery store. And you see this little child kicking and screaming. That's not normal. In the eyes of the world, it's normal. We've got an opportunity. Take my children into the public. And they have clear, radiant faces. And yet, they're so obedient. You don't hear them, you see them. By well-doing, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Driving down the highway. Well, it's normal to go over the speed limit. Right? But the Bible says, obey those that are in authority. And so, even though that person behind me can't stand it, it's 45 miles an hour, and I'm going 47 miles an hour, and they want to go 55, and I kind of feel like a heel, they're the ones that are abnormal, I'm normal. Just remember that. Remember that. When you go into a, when you go to the township meeting, and it's ready to begin, and they stand up, and they say, everybody, raise your right hand, and pledge allegiance to the flag, and you're the only one that stays sitting, you're going to feel abnormal. But let's go by God's standard. What is normal? Well, normal is, I'll stay sitting. I've done it. I felt like a heel. It doesn't feel good. But by well-doing, we can put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. When it's time to, you're in court, it's time to give your side of the story, you're caught up to the stand, they asked you if you could raise your hand, put your hand on the Bible and swear that you would tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Everybody else does it. But what is normal? That's abnormal from God's economy. And so I will ask to make, what do you call it? Confirm. Affirm. I will affirm. And so you can go through your next week thinking about those kind of things. What is normal? What is normal? You could sit in a brother's meeting and say, what is normal? You could sit here this morning and you could say, how is church supposed to function? What is normal? And let's put the silence. By well-doing, let's put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. So we have people today, there's groups of people who say, well, this whole church thing don't work. So we're going to just get together. We're going to have church our way of doing it. We're going to have a couple families come together. We're not going to have uh, ordained ministry because when you've got ordained ministry, the thing don't work. Start fighting and bickering. And we're just not going to have anybody in charge. We're all just going to come together. And we say, well, that seems normal. Let me tell you, it's abnormal because God has given us a very specific way to operate churches. I could talk about a lot of other things. What is normal? What is normal? Sin is not normal. Sin is not normal. If you're going to call sin normal, that thing is going to drag you into the pit. That is going to destroy you. It's a little like over in Athens, um, in Greece. They say there's this, there's this museum, and in the back of the museum, there's this really strange sight. If I ever get over to Greece, I'd like to see it. Some of you might get over there. But there's this, this uh, strange sight in the rear room. It's two bodies 
chained together, back to back. Two bodies chained together. And these two bodies have become petrified. Even the chain that chained them together became petrified, and they have it there on display. What they used to do years ago is when, way to punish a criminal, is they would chain a dead body to him. And he'd go through life hauling around this dead body. Now, I don't imagine he lived very long. You surely think the rotting flesh behind him would start destroying him, right? I would expect so. But that's what they used to do. Punishing a bad criminal. You know, sin is the same way. And if we're going to call normal what God says is abnormal, let me tell you, it's going to destroy you. If you're going to call what God says, if you're going to call what the world says normal as abnormal, then you can have life. So it is when we start calling sin normal. When we start calling sin normal, the disease will ultimately destroy us. God bless you. May you go through your week asking that question. What is normal? There's too many people I like that little girl out there who was holding that shell of a bullet and giving the whole story like this is normal. God help us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, definitely your economy and this world's economies are two different sets. Totally different. And somehow, in the middle of all of this, we get, we get mangled up in the mess. Oh, I pray that this morning again, within my heart, would come this unexpressed, inward grief, a groan over this dying world around us. Even though eternity is out there somewhere, we relate to time. And it's so easy to think this is normal. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that each one of us could take all the situations in life and lift them up and say, what is normal according to your standard? You shed light on our hearts. Shed the light of your word. Let it be a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. That we might call that which you call normal, we also would call it normal. Help us, Lord, this week to also, by well-doing, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Would you grace us with that ability? by the power of your Holy Spirit. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. It was a um, joy being here and to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. God bless you.